Whether it's for work or play, we rely on home internet so much these days. Being connected and staying connected has never been more important. So if you want reliable internet bought you at speed, switch to Aussie Broadband. It only takes a few minutes to sign up and their 100% Australian-based support team are ready to help. Aussie Broadband, the actual Aussie way. Find out more at aussiebroadband.com.au. T's and C's apply. Yes, welcome back to Dylan Friends this week on the show. Uh, good friend, great guy, entrepreneur, fitness mogul, personal trainer, Danny Kennedy. Um, absolute star. I've, um, I've been working with this guy for a little bit now and he's um, just a wealth of knowledge, awesome, awesome dude that's had a great story and and helping people all over the country. Um, love this chat with him. Got him today to hear a little bit about his story and then got into some fitness hacks, how to get back into the gym, how to add on some muscle, how to lose some weight maybe if you're looking to to get a, your you know summer body built in winter and, and really just get the best out of yourself. But all in all, realistically, just to, to – um, to get at, get moving and get active and, and have some fun and he does some myth busting for us around um, weight loss and weight gain and all these things that we think are actually happening but they're really not so I got a lot out of this one personally I'm looking to try and get back in the gym and have a better routine with my life I've, I've honestly really struggled to to get into a good routine since finishing footy because I used to work out as a job and I just can't believe how people are still being able to go to the gym and work and have social lives and everything as well. So love getting Danny in. He's got a wealth of knowledge, as I said. Awesome brand, awesome guy. And um, yeah, really enjoy this chat. So hopefully you get something out of it. Hi fam, it's Dylan's mum, Deborah. This is Dylan Friends. He's like, you can embarrass yourself. And I was like, bro, do you want me to do all seven verses? Bit arrogant, didn't know all yeah. seven. <laughs> so I've been in a bad team for 10 years and we got a chance to do something pretty special this year. All you can do is put your hand up and say you're wrong. Banter is a way that guys connect, a way that we can kind of play it safe with someone until we get to know them. I try to fix people sometimes. I'm like, Dan, stop doing that. Just listen. And you stack on top of that the habit of not taking your phone when you take your dog. It's easy. They had no other way to get out of the cave and we either turn our backs on them, in which case they're going to die, or we give this crazy idea a go. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Dan Kennedy. How are you, brother? We're on. We're on. Wow. That's that how we straight into it. I love it, man. How are you, man? I'm good, bro. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on, man. Thank I, you. I appreciate it. Mate, it's a, it's a, it's a right of, I was going to say right of refusal. It's a right of reply, I think I was, was the word I was coming. I've been on your podcast yes. a while ago, probably like probably response. three, four, five months Maybe six yeah. months ago. Yeah, that was the first ago. time we met. I reckon. Yeah, it in, was in this studio. Yeah, it was in the studio, just down the back, when we used to have the new room. But um, yeah. Since then, the, the normal question I actually sort of start with these chats is, how do we know each other? Um, sometimes I ask that, sometimes I don't. But I think in this industry, <laughs> it's like such a, it's like a um, bit of an online sort of friendship, really networking friendship that just started. It is, and to be honest, I feel like so many of my friendships that I have now um, in Melbourne have happen that way yeah and um i mean coming from a small country town when i moved to melbourne i always thought like fuck this place is huge but now after living here for i think it's been like 10 years whatever it feels like such a small town like mm. and i think once you once you kind of get into certain circles and you meet certain people you start to realize that everyone's all connected in some way or another and we obviously had a few mutual friends but i've been following your content and, and your podcast and um, even when you're in the AFL, kind of mm. obviously knew who you were and whatnot. And then I can't remember whether I reached out to you or something like that. Yeah. And then um, I, I really, really was keen to get you on the podcast. And and yeah, as we said, we first met met in here, man. And um, it's been good. It's, it's so funny, man. I love that. I love to be honest. And I think you know you have your own podcast, as we just mentioned. Then you do many other things. But one thing I love about doing pods the most is you get to know someone so quickly mm. without even knowing them from and then you just like 
friends with this person, right? Because you, if you think about it from an outside perspective, and this is this is really weird, I'd say to people, if you want to start a podcast, if you want to meet new people, start a fucking podcast. Yeah. People don't even have to listen to it, but you actually just have good conversations, phones away, one-on-one conversations, interested, interesting conversations with people you've never met mm. um, before. And, I, and it's a I good way to build friends. It is. Yeah. And I genuinely think I've had like... And even with your actual good mates that you've probably known your whole life, yeah. how often would you sit down with Never. no distractions and have a chat for even half an hour, let alone hour, hour and a half, whatever it may be? And as you said, like the the opportunity to network with people that you probably would never get an opportunity to do so otherwise, you mm. know, if I just reached out to you and said, and you didn't know me, and I was like, mate, do you want to grab a coffee? For an hour, I'd be like, weird. Fuck no. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, shit but, to do. but you know what's weirder? <laughs> Let's record it and let everyone else hear it. That would be way sure. better. But no, it is. It's such a good way to, to know people. And super fortunate now, like, and you would be the same. Like, some of the relationships I've been able to build is purely off the back of the podcast. And they've gone on to be awesome friendships and, and they, you know, often lead to other opportunities and, and just meeting really cool people. So, it's so cool, man. It's good stuff. I love it. I want to talk about your podcast quickly. Tell us a bit about it. For those, if someone hasn't heard it before, mm. what do you do? What's your – maybe tell us a bit about yourself. If someone hasn't heard it before, what do you do? So from from the outside in, those who, who kind of know who I am would, would understand that I'm a personal trainer, yep. um, online coach, and as you mentioned, podcast host as well. Um, but, yeah, a bit about myself. I grew up in, in country Victoria um, in Horsham. A few boys that you would probably cross paths with in, in the AFL, I reckon. Yeah, um, we've got Horsham country boys. out there. Mate, there's plenty plenty of really good basketballers, but footballers, you've got guys like Seb Ross and Jake Lloyd in Sydney and, and um, Dars Tuckers at Freire Ballarat. At the moment. That's Ballarat way, isn't it? Horsham? Yeah, so Ish. you drove to Adelaide, which you probably wouldn't yep. do. Um, it's about halfway. They're your words, not mine. I would love yeah. Adelaide. Um, um, but yeah, mate, so I grew up in country Victoria and um, always played footy and basketball and always chose basketball over footy if kind of it got to the point where I needed to make a decision yeah. and eventually did. Shifted out of home straight after year 12, moved down here to the um, Australian College of Basketball for two years. Hmm. So I'd never had any intention of moving to Melbourne, to be honest. But when this opportunity came up, I, I jumped on that and moved down here. Um, yeah, full-time with basketball for two years. And I'd always had this really big passion for fitness. Like growing up, like even with footy and basketball, my, my strength was always the the fitness side of things. Like I always – my work ethic was always probably like my number one – not to sound like a flog, but my um, my work ethic was always kind of my number one attribute yep. um, I, I found and was never the most naturally gifted or talented in football or basketball. So I, I just kind of knew right from the start that I had to work harder than everyone else. And that kind of led to, you know, taking my fitness super seriously. And, and it was probably around 15 that I first stepped into the gym. I was super skinny, man. Like same same height as I am now. Like when I moved down to Melbourne, I was about 63 kilos. Mm. And I'm around about 85, 86 now. So I got into the gym around 15. Um, initially hated it because I was pretty naturally gifted at running so cardio was my strength um obviously being that that light um but yeah quickly fell in love with the gym once I started to see the results physically but mentally as well I was never never a super confident kid hated school like struggled with the uh, struggled a fair bit with in my opinion anyway like fitting in and stuff I was always kind of a bit of a people pleaser and just wanted to fit in with my group of mates and fell in love with the gym quite quickly once I, I started to see the benefits, as I said, in terms of confidence and obviously my strength and, and stuff like that started to increase. And as most people do when they get into fitness and see results, it's pretty addicting. So mm. um, I just had this passion for it and literally just 
my personality is kind of like whenever I have my sights set on something, I kind of go all in with it, like almost a bit obsessive with it. So that was definitely the approach I took with the the fitness side of things. I was reading absolutely anything I could, watching all the videos and and just kind of just trying to learn as much as I could about training and nutrition, any edge I could possibly get. And, you know, in hindsight, probably early on, like my main passion become fitness and mm. not basketball. Although I think it was more of an identity thing, like my whole junior career, whatever you want to call it, was all based around being an athlete, whether it was footy or basketball. So that was just kind of like ingrained in my head if that's all I wanted to do. Um, so yeah, I just I just did everything I could to learn as much as possible, moved down here, was still obsessed with the the fitness side of things, even when I was playing good basketball and, and working with some really good coaches and athletes and stuff here. Yeah, so I was down here for the, those two years and felt like I was in a good space with basketball, but in hindsight, I probably wasn't. Um, and then end of 2013, I, I uh, needed an ankle reconstruction. So that was kind of my second year here full-time and getting to the point where I felt like, as I said, I was reaching a good point with basketball. So at the time, as um, as a lot of things end up being, it's a, a blessing now, but it was absolutely devastating to get this this surgery. And that was my first real, first surgery ever actually. Um, and that set me back for a long time, like physically after the, the ankle um, surgery. But in that time, I'd, I think it was maybe year 11 or 12, I'd done my personal training certificate separate to school. Yeah, right. So I think, um, I can't remember why I did it. I think it was a bit of a backup plan because my, my whole goal was to head over to the States and play college basketball, which obviously didn't happen. But I did my PT course and um, I just didn't really have the time to be to be working because I was doing so much basketball. And I think I was living off Centrelink or something like that when I moved here. Um, and obviously had really good support from family and, and from my parents. Um, but that time away from basketball kind of allowed me to realize that there was a fuckload more to life than than playing basketball. And initially I, I really was super depressed about not being able to play and train and thought that everything was turning to shit after I'd been working so hard for so long to get to the point where I felt like things were good. And quite quickly I realized that I just didn't miss it as much as what I thought I did. And it gave me a time to, you know, I started personal training. Um, so I started as a, you know, running my own business as a subcontractor, I guess, um, as a personal trainer. And what went from spending like my whole junior career kind of focused on myself, I guess you could say, in terms of trying to reach certain levels of success within sport, being purely focused on myself, gave me the chance when I was injured to to help other people. And once I started working as a personal trainer and um, by that point, I'd started seeing some pretty good physical results myself as well, just through all the stuff I'd learned. I was getting people messaging me and stuff, just mates and everything from from home in terms of getting wanting help with their training and nutrition and stuff. Um, so the online space, I started creating some programs for mates and whatnot. And as a personal trainer, working with people in person, I just fell in love with being able to share what I'd learned with other people and see other people change their life, yep. even in the smallest way, through the things that I'd been able to learn which which quickly became my passion so within the space of you know two or three months i'd gone from being completely devastated and depressed about being out of basketball to not really having an issue with giving it up altogether so from that point there i I literally have never played a game again apart from a few social games but um i just decided to go all in like kind of like i said before whatever i decide to do i i go all in and, and get quite obsessed with it so my whole focus then turned to 
building my business and, and career within the, the fitness industry. Realistically, I knew I could probably come back to basketball, but I kind of probably got quite honest with myself in terms of where I could really reach as a basketballer. And it wasn't something that long-term would, was going to set me up for life or, or be, a, a, in my opinion, like a longer lasting career. So I made that decision to just go all in with my business and took that whole approach in terms of just learning as much as I could around business and learning from people within the industry and networking and, um, and just helping other people. And I guess, you know, fast forward, that was in 2014, fast forward to now. And as I said, it was a absolute blessing, um, from what was at the time, like the worst, probably like one of the worst moments of my life has now become the best because if it hadn't happened, who knows, I'd probably still be hacking around trying to, trying to make it, make a living off basketball. Down at MSAC, just, yeah, sort of, down just, MSAC, just doing some, hoops. some alley-oops. Yeah, there you <laughs> exactly. go. Yeah, I'd dunk, <laughs> dunk the fuck out of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but I think um, being, a, being a podcaster, being someone who talks to people a lot like, like yourself, I nearly sometimes listen going, fucking hell, I feel like I've heard this story before because it's so similar. Anyone that's – everyone, everyone's got yeah. this part of their life. Um, call it whatever you want, like a moment of time. And, and there's not one, there's millions. This, this shit happens every day. We're mm-hmm. always faced with different parts and different scenarios. But, like, it's just uncanny how many people say, like, from such a shit thing, like something beautiful happened from yeah. it. Um, and it comes back to a quote that we love saying on the show, definitely can't claim this as my own, but I feel like I – I, I discovered it on my own, but I'm not saying I made it up. Okay, so you take ownership make it of it. Now, I'm not. No, I own nothing. I own no rights of it. But okay. it's not what happens; it's how you react to it. And yeah. it's like, yeah, shits happens. All this stuff happens to people every day, mm-hmm. and it's how it's what you do with it next. You know, like um, I'm not going to go into my story because we tell it fucking every week. <laughs> but like, you know, delisted. Yeah. Um, and it's not so much success or money or or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's just. A, being happy with what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where success uh, needs to sort of change its definition or maybe the definition that when people say it's actually got nothing to do with how much you're making or what you're doing. It's just like, fuck, man, how cool is like the lifestyle you get to live from something that was really shit to begin with to then now um, and being able to sort of run your run your own business. It's absolutely thriving. I honestly had, you know, I have a great amount of respect for you, not just um, – and I didn't really know that part of your story, but I've really loved watching – you um not because when i actually first discovered you was through your podcast okay. what you're doing yeah, so cool. i just thought you were like a podcaster awesome and i was like oh fuck okay you're actually this guy who's like a pt but you're not just a pt you run like online programs you have like this other you do shit with like steph claire smith and laura henshaw at the keep it cleaner yeah um stuff like you just have so many fingers in so many pies from a guy from horsham who said himself maybe didn't fit in as much as he wanted mm-hmm. to or didn't wasn't his true self early days yeah coming to a new city not knowing anyone and then being able to connect with yeah. so many different people must be super crazy and happy with that yeah 100 percent. and i think it was like just a big mindset shift to be honest like mm. it was probably around year 12 um i've thought about this a lot like year 12 i don't know what it was i don't know whether it was the again like the amount of times i'd whether it was getting cut from stuff over and over again with basketball, whatever it may be. And obviously like I was um, at no, like in no uh, way at at the level that that you were with football. But like at the time, my whole identity was wrapped around being a good basketballer or being a basketballer. And people listening to this relate this to your situation because I think anyone anyone attaches themselves to anything. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And then, as you said before, it's like when you think of success, it's not. It isn't. You know, obviously there are metrics in terms of yep. financial success and whatnot. But once I made that transition from basketball, where I was then starting to build my own thing as a as a business owner, as helping people and whatnot, that's when I was truly happy. But mm. I think, as I said, it was year twelve where I just had that whole mindset shift of like, all right, from now on. I'm not going to continue just to do shit to please other people. I'm not even going to try and fit in. I'm just going to have the whole fuck it mentality yeah. around like just doing what I want to do and what makes me actually happy. And if if that means that you fucking lose some friends here and there or if you don't start hanging out with – if you stop hanging out with people you've always hung out with, then so be it. And, yeah, I mean – Did you lose anyone? Awesome. Did anyone – No. Yeah. I, no. And, and if anything, <laughs> I gained more respect from people who – and and now it doesn't even mean that much to me at all, to be honest. But like it was it was funny to me how once I'd started this business and started seeing results physically and started doing what I was truly truly passionate about, all of a sudden there's these people that when I was younger I, I almost like looked up to or like tried so hard to fit in with that all of a sudden I couldn't give a fuck whether they were friends with me or not. But they were the people that I was starting to you know, either hang out yeah. with or they were reaching out for help, blah, 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 or all of a sudden they're respecting things that you do and it's, it was only when I just couldn't give a fuck. Like one one of the biggest things that – one of the biggest and best decisions I made is like I 2014 I ended up doing like – for two years there I was doing physique competitions. Oh. Yeah, man. Getting the guns out. Getting dirty. Fake okay. tan everything. Real tanned up and – But that yeah. at the time, no one in my friend's group had ever done that. Yeah. And I didn't even like – to the point where, like, when I did my first competition, I hadn't even told anyone that I was going to do it until the week of. Yeah, because it's a, it's one of those things, isn't it? Like, especially in our culture, and we're getting a lot better at it. I think, um, or maybe I'm just getting better at it. Is like, you would straight away that, you know, that thing comes here, go, what a, what a tosser, what are you doing? You know, like, yeah. what are you doing up there? Like, yeah. that would have been in your in mind, I'm assuming, what yeah. people were thinking. It was, and. Not that that's what I was thinking. And like, not that I, I'll be completely honest. Like it wasn't like the decision to do it was easy, but like the decision or like the period where I, I knew people were going to know that I was doing yeah. it was scary as fuck. Yeah. But the the most surprising and, and, you know, positive thing out of it is that the reaction that I expected was not the case at all. Like it was almost like, oh, like, you know, good on you. Yes. And in terms of my business, like particularly in the early days, I can 100% say that that was like a lot of the reason as to why my fitness business grew so much because I was able to document what I was doing. I was able to show people that, you know, I, especially people who knew me, I used to be this fucking skinny little runt yeah, um, and still am, but not as skinny. Um, but I was doing these things that, and I think people could kind of see, especially the ones that knew who I used to kind of be as a person, like could see that I just changed mentally in terms of just not giving a fuck anymore and, whether people respected it or they just didn't give a fuck, which is probably also the case because I feel like when people hold themselves back from doing stuff because they're worried about what other people will think or what other people's perception is, there's a few things. It's like firstly, who really cares what other people think? And secondly, no one really gives a shit. Like Man, if you think about how often no you think about anyone else shit. other than yourself you, without like, being selfish. But So there's so many parts of this like that I'm loving because like – you're the main character of your own story, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, we tell ourselves this thing where like we're in this world and we talk about ourselves in this way. Like everyone else is doing that about themselves. Yes. I don't have time to worry about you. Like I'm yeah. so I'm so fucking stressed out about myself yeah. and other shit that I've got to do than worry about you. Yeah. I couldn't care. Like as in the, we're not caring yeah, about what 100%. people think, are we? No. Nah. Um, 
I saw this. Uh, the, sorry, there's one of my favorite um, analogies again, and this one I, I might actually I might actually steal this one because it's my personal journey. I used to drive to work on Punt Road yeah. every morning, and I used to be really like you. And and to be honest, I'm not going to lie. Like I still am. I still go, oh fuck, what's people going to think of me when I do this? Mm-hmm. You know, I'll put a post up and go, oh fucking hell, this is, you know, what's people going to think? You always always like that. I was always like that, but now I, I don't really care. But I still have that. You know, like they're still in the back Did of your you mind. Used to, uh, like, did you used to not take those actions when you were worried about what people would think? No, nah, I always did you it. always just did yeah, it Yeah, anyway. I always just did yeah, it. That's yeah. good. Yeah. I was like, no, nah, I've got to do it. Because yeah. I almost enjoyed it in a way, like yeah. just being, um, maybe being different. But I do it for the different reasons now. Yeah, yeah. But there's this um, analogy um, I like to use for my own life. And it's like, when you don't, when you're like not confident you don't like make the decision to do something mm-hmm. say it's you know into that bodybuilding competition start your own podcast start your own business do something that might people might question yeah um people are going to question it so I, refer, I always say to this um this analogy like you're driving down punt road there's three lanes right you're in the middle lane yeah it's peak hour traffic if you put your indicator on mm-hmm. and you're trying to move uh, turn left yeah no one's going to let you in it's peak hour where like people in the roads are fuckwits. No one's going to like leave. People are just going to keep driving. They're yep. going to like, this bloke wants to leave. Like, fuck him. Like he's not getting in. Yep. If you just turn your indicator on and you start turning, people stop and they go, fuck, this bloke knows where he's going. <laughs> yeah. He knows where he's going. Let's just let him in because like they don't question it. They go, yeah. fuck, he's turning left. Let him go. I like that. So it's like in a way you just got to turn left, yeah. you know, like go and just fucking put your indicator yep. on. Don't wait. Take action, yeah. Take action yeah. and just go. And then people follow, man. Yeah. Like you said before, when you started like doing your your podcast, um, your your pod and the the gym stuff, if you had to go and everyone around and go, hey guys, what do you think? Should I go and yeah. should I go and um start bodybuilding, sculpting, yeah. or should I start my own business? People would be like, oh, I don't know, yeah, because you're not confident about yeah. it. So if you're not yeah. confident, how how the fuck are you going to make other people confident? But if you go, no, moving to Melbourne, doing this, yeah, doing that, people are like, okay, yeah, fucking hell, he knows what he's doing. I'll just let, let him go. Good luck. Yeah, and I also think from a mindset, something that kind of helped me a lot as well is, let's say when I reached out to you to come on to the pod, because I know a lot of people do hold back from doing things because whether it is fear of failure or rejection and, and something that I kind of figured out a while back is like, let's say I want to start a podcast and I'm worried that no one will listen to it, right? And that's why I don't start it. Well, it's already a reality if I haven't started. No one's yeah. listening to my podcast because uh, I don't still don't have it. Yeah. So. Worst case, like best case scenario is that fucking one person listens to it. It's more people than listen to the one you don't have at the moment. So yeah. it's always like your your fear of like the outcome is already a reality if you don't take that step and take the action. Yeah. So and, and, and I'm a big believer in just learning through action anyway. And I've done that with so many things like and obviously it's taken a lot more time and stuff like that. With business, I've made all the mistakes you could possibly make. But if I didn't take the action, as you said, you're probably still sitting there contemplating it. And the longer you contemplate it and procrastinate, I feel like the harder it gets yeah. to make that decision. I reflecting on my own thing now and um just again, I'm not saying that, you know, we're fucking running Amazon here or Elon Musk or anything like that, but a small business doing something passionate that you love about. People sometimes might oh, I look at you and I think, Oh, cool man, you're doing what you want. That must have been you know, easy for you to do that. Or no, people know it's not easy. But there's probably six or seven failed other businesses. There probably was times where you tried to be a PT for a bit and then quit it and then went away for three months and came back to it. Like just because you start something once, yeah. Like it it doesn't just happen straight away. Like I, I I think maybe I have to be a bit more honest about that on my own thing. Like I've the amount of businesses I've started that I've gone and ordered 
from uh, China and like tried to start like four six four or five businesses. I've bought the business names. I've had them there. Yeah. Got them in. As soon as I've had them, been like, fuck, not doing this anymore. <laughs> yeah. But like the accumulation of the failure and the accumulation mm-hmm. of like just starting something gets you to the next thing. Yeah. Like it just gets you to 100%. the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. Yeah, for sure. It definitely does. And and it's just lessons. It's like, it's cliche as fuck, but it's just like there, there are no real failures no. or like it's, it, it's walking, all just lessons. Walking yeah. poem. This is a poem, poetic. We're doing a podcast with the PT. We're talking about fucking, I don't even know. It's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Um, talk us through. So before that point I was making about like you coming down, not really knowing anyone. And then mm. you go from not knowing anyone to training some of the, the biggest athletes and personalities in Australia. How did you do that? What did you do? Did you, were you going to them saying like, I'll train you for free? Um, we like, what, what was the, the business plan with that? Was there one? There wasn't necessarily a plan. Um, I guess to rewind a little bit before I even started my first day as a PT, I, cause I, as I said, I was so, um, intrigued in fitness and it was becoming yeah. like a massive part of my life and I wasn't exactly sharing it with everyone yet. This is prior to doing my first comp as a, as a physique competitor, yep. but I started a separate Instagram account to, to my personal one. Okay. Um, and I just started posting like uh, fitness content, like literally like every single day, just documenting what I was doing. Wasn't trying to create content. It was literally just documenting my own journey. And then I started as a PT and, um, you know, I started down at MSAC in Albert Park. So I, I was quite fortunate in terms of the clientele there were on the, the, I guess you could say like the higher end of income a lot of the time. So mm-hmm. you started to meet like a few different um, interesting people and whatnot and, I had a um, a guy named Tory Truitt. So that's that was the guy who was kind of like in charge of the PTs at MSAC at the time. So I was subcontracting from from him or subleasing or whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's like a tradie really, isn't it? <laughs> working for a builder? Pretty much. Like, like, so I had my own brand, but I was yeah. working, I was paying him to be using the gym because yeah. he had the lease in the gym. And um, he kind of like took me under his wing a little bit in that first year or two. And one of the first things he taught me was how important networking was. So... I really went all in with that. So any of the clients that I had or any people I met in the gym and and obviously I was sharing a lot of content online, but I, I really tried to leverage like networking with people and, you know, taking opportunities to have coffee with people that you may think may turn into nothing, blah, blah, blah. And then I think my first um, kind of like notable name because um, he was training at MSAC at the time was Michael Klim. So through that network, you know, I think I ended up running a boot camp for him and, um and got to know him quite well and started training him. And then I was obviously continuing to document a lot of his stuff online. Um, and then I believe um, Scotty Pendlebury's wife, Alex, um, she was training at MSAC and um, she was doing, she was a nutritionist, mm. like she still is, but she was doing practicing nutrition um, stuff at the time. So I remember we just had a few conversations here and there in the gym. And, um, and then I remember sound like a bit of a fanboy here at the moment, but I remember I was home for Christmas one uh, one year, pretty early on. Like it must have been a year or two into being in the fitness space. And, and you saw me. Um, hey? You saw me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did, yeah. <laughs> I watched the game and I was like, who is that? Um, no, nah, but I, I got a text. Uh, Edit that out. Please I think Alex it. had mentioned that um, Scott was gonna was keen to do some training and I, I got a message from um, Pendles, you know, asking him whether I wanted wow. to come down and, um, and, and do some training with him in the off season. I remember being at home in Horsham and I was not meant to come back to Melbourne for like a week or two. And I got this text and he's like, yeah, do you reckon we could like start tomorrow? And he's like, you in town? And I was like, yeah, mate, I'm in town. I'll, I'll see you there tomorrow. Wow. Packed up my shit, went back. And 
and then as you would know, like networking and and also like social proof is just so powerful, particularly yeah. through social media. So um, just documenting who I was working with, whatnot, and that kind of leads to more kind of opportunities, and you start to build, I guess, a little bit of a name. And um, from there, I, I did a few uh, off seasons with a few AFL guys. I actually played basketball with um, with Dice Heffel back in the day with some Vic Country stuff, and yeah. we were still connected online. So ended up doing some work with him and. And then it kind of just grew from there. But like, to be honest, like so many of the opportunities I've had with like notable people. And, and I think the other thing as well is that I never wanted it to make out, never wanted it to, to look as if like I was like trying to like, like just, a celebrity PT yeah, or something. Yeah. Not, not that. Like I just wanted to show people mainly the fact that like, you know, these principles that I'm using with whoever the fuck it is, whether it's an Olympian or a professional athlete, these work for everyone. But there was multiple opportunities, like lots of them. I can uh, attribute so many of the things that I'm doing now down to the fact that I was I would reach out to people, whether it be in person or online, without any connection to them whatsoever and just offer them value, whether that was, you know, opportunities I've had for just putting out free value so, yep. so often or whether it was actually reaching out to someone, um, you know, like some good friends of mine now who, who at the time were people that I'd looked up to or or just knew of, I'd reach out and just be like, look, heard you want to do X, Y, and Z. Would love to help you out. Don't want anything in return. Don't want you to tag me on socials or anything like that. I just want to help you. And, you know, if you're happy with your results, that'd be awesome. I'd love to grab a testimony or something awesome. at some point. But I just learned early on that, like, you have to offer value first. Like, you should always want to be able to give more in the transaction than you're taking. And it was never about trying to ask, ask, ask. It was always just give, give, give. And... You know, there was definitely points where it was probably too much to that side where I was giving too much without kind of wanting anything in return. But it just led to so many good opportunities. Um, and and I just took that mentality and that approach and just kind of doubled down on it because I always, and to this day, look at to where I was able to get to with whatever it was, regardless of how big or small the achievement was. And knowing like the, the things that I'd done to get there, I just knew that I had to keep doing more of that. So mm. in terms of giving out free content and free value, it was... You know, Instagram, um, literally like every single day, it was starting an email list and sending free emails, um, eventually starting the podcast. I was doing YouTube and stuff like that. So I just made my whole like marketing plan, I guess you could call it, is just give out as much free valuable content as I possibly could. So to the point where when somebody needed something within the fitness space that I would have to be the person that they would think of because I've given them so much value um, over time. And yeah, so I guess in terms of to answer your fucking question, I don't know where I've gone with that, but in, to answer your question, I think social proof was a big one. Obviously, yep. I was super fortunate to work with some some massive names early on, which was just fucking awesome. Um, and then that kind of leads from one thing to the other. But the biggest part of it, to be honest, was literally just making sure that I got them results because I think even now, like with people building their presence and stuff online and everything, people get too caught up in the fact that they want to build followers and an audience and put out content that gets heaps and of sell likes something and overnight. Yeah, but you have to be fucking good at what you do. Yeah. So to this day, it's still like making sure I'm trying to master my craft and and be actually good at what I do and the results should speak for themselves without yeah. me having to ask for anything. Yeah. It's really interesting. I, I love your point and, and just thinking um, about oh, I've been doing some sort of reflection on um, what I'm what we're trying to do here with, you know, with the pod and that, you know, we didn't get into podcasting for a financial gain. That's yeah. like, as you would know, it's not something yeah. that you get into thinking, fuck, I'm going to be a millionaire doing yeah. this. But it's 
starting with the community and it's like, the, mm. as you said, I loved what you said about the act of giving first. It's like you give as much as you can. Yeah. Anyone out there like starting a business, like giving as much as you can. We had um, a podcast like last week with Ali and Vin. I'm not sure if you've heard it, um, but he talked about he really wanted to meet this one guy who was the best professional did, speaker yeah, he and yeah. he went and bought a thousand copies of this guy's book. Yeah. And gave his book out at his talks to show mm -hmm. this guy, this is how badly I want to like meet yeah. you, but I'll do something for you first. Yeah. So I think like that act of giving is um a really big one. And this is not a self-promotion thing at all, but it made me think a lot about um what we're doing with our golf event coming up. We yeah. have this event um on the weekend and you know that we're talking about the ticket prices and all these sorts of things. And I was like, fuck, I don't want this to be asking for something straight mm -hmm. away. Yeah. So like all we're doing is purely covering our costs and like to be honest, we fucked up the numbers, so it's going to be costing a lot more than what we thought it was. Um, so it's actually, and this is, you know, you got to invest yeah. into things. Yeah, yeah. But I wanted it to be just like build such a cool fucking community of like yeah. people that love and are shit or really good at golf and want yeah. to meet people and have fun. And then from there, you create such a cool community. Yeah. And then whatever happens from there, happens from there. But it's like, what can you do first to add that value for people? Yeah. And obviously, you want to give them so much more and yeah. what they're giving so that they walk away going, fuck, what, a, what an awesome experience that mm -hmm. was, which I'm hoping with this weather we can um, we can pull off. But, yeah, it's a really um, interesting topic and a really interesting point. It's, I think you've absolutely nailed it what you said, nailed it with what Vin and Ali said in, in their show. And I, I think for me, I was like, fuck, I want to – got to get better at this. Like I always feel a bit guilty sometimes when um, I ask someone to come on the show because I'm like, well, fuck, I'm asking so – I'm already asking something of them to come on. But then hopefully try to do such a good job of telling their story that it yeah, helps them as well. But it's, your audience yeah, it's hard yeah. to it's 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 one of those things you've got to consciously think, what can I what can I what value can I give to this person? Thousands of Aussies trust Aussie broadband to keep them connected to the world, even when they're on the go. Because as well as reliable home internet, Aussie Broadband also offers flexible mobile plans with super generous data allowances and no locking contracts. Their 100% Australian-based support team are ready to help you make the switch. It only takes a few minutes. Aussie Broadband. The actual Aussie way. Search Aussie Broadband Mobile to find out more. T's and C's apply. Yes. One question I really want to ask, because I know there'll be some young entrepreneurial people listening, and especially in the PT system. Yep. What advice, and I, I hope they picked up what you said earlier about it, but what advice would you give anyone starting it now? Because it's something that you really picked up that I think you do really well that I hope you talk about, and I'll bring it up if you don't. Brilliant. Um, in terms of building the, the business well, itself? Just, yeah, just like starting out. Like say someone's yeah. where you were leasing, yeah. you know, they could be yeah. a chippy working for a builder. They could be a tattoo artist working because mm -hmm. it's a similar concept, right? Yeah. I thought like they're all working in a shop, renting mm -hmm. a space of someone and went out on, on their own. So what did you do well, yeah. do you think, what it was? Well, I think the first thing, particularly in the fitness industry as well, is that like things are ever-changing. So you always need to be making sure, as I said just before, it's like you're continuing to try and master your craft and be extremely good at what you're doing and get your clients' results. Second thing is offering as much free value as you possibly can in terms of getting your name out there. Like I get a lot of people reach out now that have just started being a PT and they want to either build their social media following. And like I by no means have a huge social media following, but it's like people just expect shit to happen overnight. And the answer that a lot of people don't want to hear is just consistency. Mm -hmm. Like you have to be consistent. Like, as I said, I'm not even close to where I want to be now, but the only reason I am in a position I am now is due to consistency since literally 2014. But at the start, <clears throat> at the start, it's like putting yourself in positions where you are, are going to give yourself those opportunities. So it's like offering to do things for free. It's like getting as much experience as you can. 
I think finding your niche and the thing you truly enjoy and not focusing on the financial side of it right from the start. Because, you know, when I became a PT, I had this this idea in my mind that, you know, I was going to start, you know, this gym's got a shitload of, cl- of members, I'll grab fucking heaps of these easy, yeah, start charging a good amount of money and be making absolute bank. But it doesn't happen like that. So it's like if you're extremely passionate about, you know, your style of training or, or the area of expertise that you think you're good at and you stick to that lane and figure out what that is quite early and continue to offer as much value as you can in terms of content, in terms of helping people for free initially and getting results. Because like, regardless of whether you've got a big social media following or you're doing paid ads or you do whatever type of marketing you want to do, the best form of marketing is always going to be word of mouth, which will come from the clients you've got. And the problem that I see a lot now is that people are so focused on building up their business and building up their client base or building up their audience they don't take care of the ones they've got now. Yeah. So if you've got one client right now, you you would want to like your whole mindset should be I want this client to be with me in five to ten years time if I'm doing a good job. So just trying to make sure you get them really good results, put yourself in positions where you're able to just get as much experience as you can, and, and I guess don't be entitled. Like you've got this qualification or cert three and four in fitness. Like mm. who gives a shit? Like. That's like the very, very, very first step. So from here on in, it should be about learning from people who have done it already or are in a better position than you are and trying to get yourself around those type of people. Like we'll add in another little analogy or, or kind of like saying type thing here. Like you, I'm a big believer in the fact that you are a product of your environment. So mm-hmm. spending time around people who are doing extremely well or, or, or pushing the direction that you want to be going in and trying to learn from them, just learning as much as you possibly can, but then taking action, like whether it's learning from stuff online or going to seminars or hanging out with certain people, like knowledge is not power unless you do something with it. So it's like putting that to action, helping as many people as you can and and just being patient because it does take take time. And I think it's super obvious when it, it comes off as very um, – what do you call, what's the word for it? it comes off as desperate when when you've got like a trainer or someone within the fitness industry who is is purely doing it to try and get more clients or to try and grow their business really fast because it won't happen overnight yep. and just understanding that it's it's not it's not a quick fix like you have to be in it for the long game and um, I think your your reputation as a trainer or whatever whatever business you run your reputation is very hard to build but like super easy to to damage so you want to make sure that you're just build, laying down that foundation from from day one and just stick true to your message and if you're doing that then you'll attract the right people love it lastly on that i think one thing that's impressed me with what what you do and and the way you've done it i don't know if this is um i'm not in the industry so i don't know if it's it's a one-off but the way you've sort of been able to add different verticals to a business as well some people might go okay you're a pt how many clients can you fit in a day you've got a capped you've got a capped amount of money you can make because unless you're making bigger classes or these sorts of things but you've obviously got your podcast as well you've got like online courses Mm -hmm. and these sort like how have you when did you think like fuck this is more ways that i can diversify my offering to different people yeah so as i started to learn more around the business side of things because um you know i come into it just purely thinking around fitness and helping people but then you know the 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 business side of it is obviously extremely important so i just realized that you can only trade so much time for money in terms of working with people one-on-one 
um, and your ability to reach more people online is, is significantly more than than in person. So mm. um, I just think, it, look, put it this way: like if I was just a PT, I wouldn't. There's no way I could just be a PT. Yeah. In my opinion, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that maybe are, and like fair play to you. Like I, for me, it's just a super inconsistent job. Yeah, it's hard. You're working yeah. around other people's schedules. Like exactly that. right. You literally just. Yeah, you're working around other people. You know, if someone's sick, goes away, coming bothered, needs to pull pull back on their budget or whatever it may yep. be, you're most likely going to be one of the first people to get dropped. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just I just knew early on that I wanted to try and build up as many different kind of like streams of income. And again, it wasn't purely from a financial side of things. It was yep. more so, as you said, just diversifying the business and allowing myself to get in front of more people and hopefully help more people. So the online space, I started that quite early on and that was purely just to listening to my audience or audience you could call it i guess but it was just people asking for help so mm. i was getting messages on social media and stuff from people wanting help with their training and their nutrition so i started just you know capitalizing on those opportunities and and similar with the podcast it was you know i tried my hand at some youtube stuff and found that really hard to crack into particularly in the the fitness space for the the amount of time i was putting in mm. the reward just wasn't there um and podcasting was still super early and not that many people um, even knew what a podcast was, let alone had their own show. Um, so I just saw it as another avenue to be able to get more content and value out to to the people that I wanted to share it with. Um, and then you just got to be consistent with all this stuff. And I'm sure more and more things will, will come along um, as time goes on. But I think just listening to to your audience, like I think it's very easy to get this idea in your mind of what you think things should be yeah or like how you think things should go but you know similar to what's an example like social media you can love fucking myspace as much as you yeah. want but if you're still posting on there i don't think you're going to be seeing much oh, engagement so it's like definitely you have it's, to listen to the audience you have to listen to the audience and you have to be an early adapter to things and even if you're not on it like mm. the old the um it's funny bringing this up the old you know the cliche this is like gary v yeah you know like he's always on to like this first thing whether it's crypto or tiktok or um, you know, baseball cards or basketball cards, like you go, no one's going to like that. Man, I'm not going on TikTok. That shit's stupid. Yeah. And then you go, fuck, man, probably should have gone on TikTok like <laughs> yeah. a little bit earlier. That probably would have been pretty, you know, exciting to do. And they're all going to yeah. work. But like yeah. it's just sort of dropping your ego a little bit. You think sometimes one yeah. thing works and it it actually doesn't. Um, just, just on that quickly yeah. though, sorry. I think as well it's super important to figure out like what your um, – your best or most effective style of communication is as well. So yeah. yes, you know, I think it is important to jump on like where the attention is, but you know, look at someone like yourself, like you've, you've obviously um, nailed the fact that you're extremely good at communicating and, and, and you enjoy the podcasting space and really good at video content and stuff as well. Whereas if you were to sit here for fucking and a dance. month and try and like, yeah, yeah. maybe dance. I'm not that, that good or, at dancer. You know, something along, yeah. along the lines of like writing content or blogs yeah. or whatever. Maybe that's not your style. So, so it's true. figuring out what you enjoy doing and then going hard. Yeah. Down. Fail fast. Yes. That's a, a big one that um, I do a lot is you try things and you go, fuck, that didn't work. And then quickly fail with it and, and move on. Because if you keep fucking banging your head against a wall, you can you can really hurt your head. Um <laughs> on the fitness side of things, talk us through, and this is, is such a basic question, but like case study, me, for example, I'm actually doing, we're doing some stuff together at the moment. So I was like, fuck, I need to get you on because you're going to bash the shit out of me because I haven't been doing my program <laughs> to how good you have been putting it for me. Talk for someone who's got quite a sedentary lifestyle. Um, say 
use me as a case study, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, youngish guy, nearly 30, um, wants to get back into the gym, wants to get look after himself a little bit more, male, female, whoever it is. What are the three main things you would say to someone, you know, like sort of like that off the couch to fitness goals? Yeah. What, what's the best beginning? Well, I think that the – in terms of the the principles that you need to take care of, care of obviously nutrition is a big one. We'll touch on that. We'll go into a bit more detail in a sec. The training is obviously a big one as well. But then, the the structure around your lifestyle is probably one of the most important ones. Because, and that is what I am really struggling with at the moment. Like yeah, really that, struggling with. And that is what a lot of people do struggle with. It's like, you know, I could I could show you right now like the most optimal approach for your nutrition and training on paper. But if it's something that's not going to fit in with your lifestyle and it's not sustainable, then it means fuck all because yeah. you won't be able to stick to it. Yeah. So the problem. And just that on I, that, because I want to tell you why I'm struggling with it. It's like, well, yeah. I was thinking about it. I was it. Just going to say, you realized the program started four weeks ago. I did realize yeah. that, actually. <laughs> I, did, I did realize it started four weeks ago. <laughs> Thank you for the reminder. But what I've worked out recently, this is personally for myself, so it's, it's probably might not apply to a lot of people, mm-hmm. but to give myself a little bit of slack, and it almost sounds even worse saying this, but like, I was working out for a job for eight years throughout the day. Mm-hmm. I did not give enough credit to people how the fucking hard it is <laughs> to actually go to work, yeah. live a life, and go to the gym mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah, like I, I just don't, I cannot ever find a strict like you know being working, trying to like fucking fit in friends and family and get mm-hmm. up in the morning, do work, all these things. It's been, it's, it is really hard to build into a routine. It is, and. But you got to pro- you got to make it happen. You do have to make it happen, but at the same time, you need to. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in setting big goals, but you do need to be realistic in terms of how things are going to play out structure wise. Yep. Because if you're if you're as you said going from the couch to wanting to get in shape, and from week one you're trying to do six sessions, you're eating fuck all, you you're going in trying to do these um, hectic workouts, and you you've come from like a very minimal foundation or a very minimal yep. base. It's not going to last. Start small. Start small, yeah. People go out way too hard too early and then it's like the old um, typical approach with nutrition, you know, eat like an absolute saint from Monday to Friday and then let loose on the weekends, start again Monday. Like you'd be far better off by just being close enough to a nutritional goal from Monday through to bloody Sunday over a longer period of time. So I always say like my kind of uh, way of looking at it when you're trying to get in shape is to start in terms of your nutrition, obviously – on the very basic level, you need to be in negative energy balance. So you need yep. to be burning more than you're taking in. Yeah. And there's obviously some more things that come into play there. Dumb that down for me. Yes. And All us. Right. So let's say, and this, and one of the main things I want to say right from the start is that your training and nutrition does not need to be perfect. It yep. just needs to be close enough and consistent. And that's far greater than trying to be perfect. So with nutrition, energy in versus energy out, there is a lot more that does come into it. But on a very basic level and scientific level, yep. if you are consistently burning more energy than you're taking in, you have your body has no option other yep. than to, to lose weight. And the yep. goal should be to lose body fat. But so if you're eating So let's say let's say more on calories, average yeah. let's say on average you if you train, let's just say three times a week or whatever. Yep. And if you were to eat say twenty five hundred calories, your body weight would stay the same. Yeah. All right. So you'd classify that as your maintenance intake. So for you to lose body fat, all you need to do, assuming that training and everything else stays pretty similar, is eat below twenty five hundred. Yeah. And so this is probably the danger of this is is where people go. I'm going to eat less. Yes. So I'm going to have one meal a day. So it doesn't so, work like that, does it? No. So on a basic level, like I said, 
calorie deficit is when you when you're eating below your maintenance. Calorie surplus is when you're eating above. If you yep. do either of those over a consistent period of time, surplus will make you gain weight. A yep. deficit will make you lose weight. So I always start someone out eating as much as possible and training as little as possible. And what I mean by that is when I say eating as much as possible, we obviously need to be in a deficit, but it needs to be a very small one. Just under. So yep. let's say you start off at, let's just say 2,300. So you're only 200 calories below. That's still a good amount of food, but it still means you're in a deficit. Yeah. You're not just halving it straight away and struggling. And No, yeah. because if you drop your calories significantly from where you have been, yes, you will see results in the first week or two and it'll be yep. quite drastic and you'll feel real good about yourself and think, oh, shit, this, I'm doing the right thing. But very quickly, your body adapts. And what happens then is, you, you know, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. So if you've gone from 2,500 to, say, 1,500, when you hit a plateau, which is inevitable, you're left with very minimal options then. To bring your food even lower is going to make your life extremely Hell. shit yep. and your metabolism is going to suffer immensely and you will most likely lose a lot of muscle mass, which we want to try and retain as much as possible. And also, like, you want to enjoy this experience too. You want to make exactly it sustainable. Right. You want to make it a, a lifestyle change, not just a, a diet. Exactly right. So I, I always say that you should never be on or off a diet That's and a you should never be on or off a, a program. In terms of... The nutrition side of things, I refer to it as a volume dial. So when you're trying to get in shape, you turn the volume dial up a little bit and you get a little bit more discipline with everything across the board. When you're a little bit more relaxed, you turn the volume dial down, but it's never on or off because that mindset creates a really unhealthy relationship with food yeah. and creates a really unhealthy relationship with even losing fat because if a lot of people think about losing fat and it's a fucking nightmare for them in their head. So when I say eating as much as possible and training as little as possible, what I mean by that is, as I said, we start in a deficit, but a small one. So it might be 2,300. When I say training as little as possible, you might start off with two sessions a week. All right. Once you reach a plateau, which again is inevitable. What's a plateau? When, uh, sorry, when fat loss stalls. Yep. So you, you stop seeing results and yep. you're kind of stuck. If you've done it the right way, then all of a sudden you're only doing two sessions and you're still eating 2,300. So the changes that you need to make are very easy from there. You can either drop food down a little bit, so you might go to 2,200, or you might just add in a third session. And it's not like you're doing anything absolutely yeah. crazy and you're still eating a lot. So as you said before, the process is much more enjoyable and it's a lot easier to see results over a longer period of time. Whereas yeah. if I go week one, train six days, eat, fuck all, and I, and I see a plateau and, and reach um, a bit of a stall, then what are you going to do? Mm. You know what I mean? Like you're He's already gonna, eating yeah. next to nothing and you're already training too much you're and that's when people this. give up and yeah. start again. So trying to make the process as enjoyable as possible and I think with the nutrition side, although calories and you don't have to track them, you know, super accurately or anything, but they are important in my opinion and it doesn't need to be perfect, but you should be obviously trying to think of your body, I guess, like a sports car. So if you're providing it with really high quality fuel, it's going to run efficiently and break down less. Yeah. Protein is, is the other thing that's quite important. So when I'm working with a client, particularly on nutrition, I usually give them a recommendation of roughly how many calories they should have and also the amount of protein that they should be eating per day and try and get them to consume majority of their foods from nutrient-dense kind of healthier foods. Mm. But the beauty of at least knowing your numbers and, you know, part of the reason why I put together this program you're doing at the moment is I, or I often refer to, you know, knowing your numbers as becoming the CEO of your own body. So if you've got a good idea of what's coming in and what's going out, then you take complete control. Yeah. And it's very easy then to know what to change when things aren't working out. Whereas if I just say I'm going to start, you know, eating healthy or clean and training hard, when, when I do 
get stuck, then how do you know what to change? Yeah. Well, that's a hard part, isn't it? Is like that nutrition part around because like when I was eighteen and first you know got drafted and they they'd speak about this language being like, all right, you got to eat more, and I was like eating more, but that food wasn't like calorie dense. It was like shit. It was like a, you know shit yeah. food that wasn't uh, sorry shit dense food. So I wasn't putting on the actual weight. So knowing what's actually in things when you think, you know, I've got to eat less. Yeah. You used to eat three cheeseburgers. That's going to be more than eating, you know, like five good meals. Exactly right. And I think, and as again, like people listening to this at the moment, there's probably plenty of people that go, there's fucking no way I want to track my calories. But I think having at least a rough idea of, of what you're consuming and, and you start to learn tough, pretty quickly, yeah. like what, what you're actually putting in your body, like you said. And because a lot other, of things like the stuff that we're doing at the moment, I didn't realize like so much food that we have at the moment has barcodes on it that are actually made for like tracking calories. I didn't even knew that. Super easy, man. Yeah. And and I think the other good thing about it, and this is probably one of the main parts is, and this is what I try and instill in all of my clients is that flexibility is the key to sustainability. So if I tell you now that I want you to start losing fat and you can only eat these six foods, you're going to hate your hate it and you're yeah. going to start to crave all the shit you can't eat. Whereas if I say to you, I want you to try and aim for 2,300 calories, get it this much protein, you can have whatever you like. As long as majority of the time it's it's good quality food. Then all of a sudden when you go out for dinner with your missus and you want to have uh, you know a couple slices of pizza and a glass of wine, you don't need to stop the diet and start again next week. It just goes into your intake and I often refer to it as like a think of your food intake like a financial budget. So if you know at the start of the day you've got 2300 to spend, it's up to you how you spend it. Doesn't matter. You don't need to have one meal, two meals, five meals, fucking 100 meals. doesn't matter. Mm. Get your food majority of the time from, from good nutrient-dense foods. If you're going to have something bad, not bad because you shouldn't classify it as good or bad, but if you're going to have something that's not as healthy, it doesn't mean, doesn't mean you need to start again. Just track it within your budget for the day and then the next day you just keep rolling through and all of a sudden – that relationship with food becomes a lot healthier because you don't look at food as good or bad or you don't think to yourself when you have a burger like, oh, fuck, i got to start my, my diet again on Monday because I stuffed up. It's just like, all right, your body doesn't know whether you're eating a burger or whether you're eating fucking a salad. It knows what like how much energy is coming getting in. Getting from it. And if it's getting good nutrients, it's going to utilize it. If it's not, it won't. Okay, great. How do you then put on how does someone put on muscle and weight Mm -hmm. without putting on fat so very very similar approach to trying to lose fat without losing muscle so you're just eating in a slight surplus so you're just eating a little bit more slightly above your maintenance and again your body will adapt quite quickly over time and when that happens you just make a small increase again you've obviously got to be working out with that yeah so to build muscle mass i mean a few key things need to happen one you need to be in a slight calorie surplus and two you need to be progressively overloading so all that means is that you're doing you're lifting either more weight more reps or more sets over time yep you're just making small progressions with your training you're putting your body in a state where it's got enough calories to recover and grow and you're just consistent over time taking care of your recovery and and again it just comes down to consistency and and trying to not rush the process. If I just if you're trying to build muscle mass and you just start eating anything and everything, you're gonna put on body fat. Yep. Same as if you're trying to lose lose weight or lose body fat and you eat next to nothing, you might lose a good chunk of weight, but you'll probably lose a lot of muscle mm-hmm. as well. It's funny. I um for someone who was in like a elite system for eight years, I I really don't know a lot about this because I I sort of had the opposite problem. I was um 
always losing weight, so I could never keep on. I was always the same. Too, yeah, I yeah. could never keep on my weight. So dietitians and and nutritionists were always like, you just got to fucking eat as much as you can, like try and get it in, which was not the right thing, right? So I tell you a story. Came back one preseason, you know, at my playing weight, I played at about seventy two kilos, and they're like, we want to get you to eighty. I was like, all right. So for like a whole preseason, I was having like breakfast with like a fucking liter of milk, oats, banana milkshake. I was having like three of them a day with like all this, you know, food just trying to like put on weight. Yeah. Came back at like 79 and they're like, mate, you're like so overweight. <laughs> like I like I was so big. Yeah. <laughs> I lost seven kilos I think in like a week. Yeah. Just from going back to my normal diet and walking yeah. on the treadmill in um, some heat. Yeah. It's right. crazy. Yeah. It like, is crazy, isn't it? But, but yeah, it, just to show you how uneducated it, that was around, and this is, I'm hoping maybe someone else can relate to this. Like, it's not about how much food you put in, it's just how good the food is that you're putting in. Yeah. And this is, I think this is the problem as well um, that the general guidelines around nutrition are so fucking vague. Yeah. And, you know, you get told, eat like clean food and healthy food and stuff like that. But you go down to a, a cafe downstairs and, and buy like a, a vegan slice. It's got fucking more calories in it than probably a cheeseburger does. Yeah, so it's well. like it's trying to look – it's just trying to make sure, again, treat your body like a sports car, provide it with good fuel and then at least roughly know what you're taking in so that yep. you have complete control over your results and you know what's measurable and what's not. Because when things aren't working and you don't know what to change, then it becomes quite difficult. Yep. Um, very top line, I suppose, with this because I know there'd be so many different ways to do it. But what's your ideal way of training? Is it doing a little bit of like cardio, whether that be bike and running mixed with going to the gym with like free weights or is it like doing a, your body fits or your F45s or is it just genuinely finding what's best for you? I think finding what's best for you. I think it's super important though that in my opinion, everyone should be doing some form of resistance training. Um, and a big misconception is that by lifting weights, you're going to get big and bulky. It just doesn't happen like that. I mean, particularly for females as well. Like you, so many females that I've ended up training come into it with the approach of like, oh, if I lift weights, I'll get big and bulky. But yeah, believe always, me, that doesn't happen. I've done it for eight years. It's, I always say um, one of the sayings I always use is, is saying that, you know, by lifting weights, you're going to get big and bulky is saying that like you're not going to drive your car in case you turn into Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah, okay. It's fucking not going to happen. But... I think with training, some form of resistance training um, to at least build some strength and lean muscle tissue. Um, and it's obviously great for bone health, protect, prevents a lot of injuries as well. Um, it also makes you just feel good, like mentally as well. I think obviously everyone talks about the physical benefits, but the the mental benefits of, of training and particularly strength training are significant. And then when it comes to you know, if we're talking about body composition, like cardio and stuff, I think there's a big misconception around cardio and thinking that if you just do some cardio, you lose fat. Again, it comes back to that energy balance. So a lot of the time, like I'll have a lot of clients who are in incredible shape and losing body fat every single week doing zero cardio because they're, they're choosing to burn majority of their energy from the gym and the, doing some weights. Yeah, right. Um, so it's just a matter of finding what works best for you. And again, just playing around, with not it. overdoing it. Yeah. Just doing enough to see results, but you don't have to like, you don't get extra points for feeling like shit 24 seven when you want to, when you want to get in shape, you should be able to enjoy what you're doing. Cause if you're enjoying it, the chances of you sticking to it are a lot higher. Yeah. One thing I've found, um, lately, and this is, you know, I, I know this and it's, this is why it's so frustrating when I, you know, fall out of routine with, with working out is, 
you hate like the first three or four or five sessions. And then after that, you genuinely get like a high. Like mm. I did go to the gym this morning after yeah. you, you sort of kicked me in the ass and I went to the gym and I walked out just going, fuck you, mad dog. Yeah. Like you are actually the sickest <laughs> bloke ever. Yeah. Like oh, I just felt so good. I was just like, oh, my God, you know, your arms get a bit sore. Obviously doing the legs as well. Yeah. Um, obviously <laughs> squatting as well. If your body gets big enough, your legs yeah. will have to carry it. Exactly. So, right. so. But it, the, the, the point on that um, was the fact that like, it's a really hard it's like when even I did the got into my running as well yep. you almost got to go I'm really probably not going to enjoy the first like four or five times but then your body just adapts you adapt yeah. so quickly it's like that um, you know diminishing returns marginal yes. gains yeah. at the start you'll pick up it you get so good at it so quickly your body just sort of actually knows mm. what to do once you work out your technique and your routine you've got a good plan yeah. um, and it's not a hassle and it works in with your yeah. life versus the, the trying carryover. to do 10 set. yeah as you said like productivity in your job, your your mood tends to be so much better. Yeah, your sleep ends up being a lot better as well. You know your your want and like will to actually eat well as well when you know you're putting in the work within your training as well. I think just all just you just build this really good momentum and, and you genuinely do feel really good. I think that was one of the good things. Well, probably the only good thing about the lockdowns is that so many people ended up moving that weren't before. Like yeah. even if it was just going for walks or whatever it may be, because it was just fuck all else to do. Um, you just genuinely feel a lot better. Yeah. What um, what's is that going to be too loud or not? Can't really hear it. Fuck! I can't believe that shouldn't come through. That'd be right. Um, back to that point before earlier, just on again with with people getting into this and finding, you know, we always said the, the three main points like nutrition, getting in the gym, but then working the lifestyle around you. Is there any advice you give to someone about like how to find the best time to work out or like is there any advice that you give clients or people on on that or is it just trial and error and just, you know, doing mornings, trying nights, trying, you know, a, a buddy system to keep yourself accountable, joining a, a, a group of other people? Like what is what, what have you found works well? Yeah, the accountability one is huge. If you do have a, someone that you could, you know, classify as a training partner or someone you can be accountable towards as well. And so then on the days where you, you just can't be fucked, you're not just letting yourself down, but but someone else as well. Um, but in terms of the best time of the day to train, like I always tell clients, it's just whenever you feel best and yeah. when it fits within your lifestyle. So, you know, I, I think, you know, for people that are super busy and maybe have families and stuff, I think probably one of the the more obvious options would be just get up a little earlier and get it done at the start of the day. So then anything after that, you know, shit hits the fan at work, whatever, you're not still then going, I still need to get to the yep. gym or if you've got to get home to your family or whatever. Um, but there really is no kind of like optimal time to train. It's just when you feel best and when it's going to fit in best with, with you and your lifestyle, which I know is probably a bit of a shitty answer, but it's just... It's just the truth, yeah. No, it's good. It's a good answer. Um, myth busting. Give us some myths that are very commonly maybe perceived by the outside world around uh, anything really around fitness. Like, what what do you find? What's the one that annoys you the most that people might assume about working out or weight loss or weight gain or trying to get stronger that they you go fuck man that's that's not it. Yeah, um, mate. There's so many. A couple that spring to mind would be. Um, Oh, one big one is that carbs are bad. Mm. They're just they're just not. So yeah. typically, a they're lot of young. people, um, and obviously there there are the outliers there who maybe you know resistant to 
whatever, like carbohydrates or, or, or whatever it may be. But a lot of the time when you have someone who's been eating like shit and they decide to cut out carbs and they lose weight in the first week and it's like, this is magic. It's just because you've just just shaved off a huge chunk of calories from what you would normally yeah. eat. So if you had to done that from well. someone else. No, yeah. exactly right. Um, so, you know, as long as your your energy balance is right and you're, you're eating enough protein, it really doesn't make much of a difference what the ratio of carbs and fats are. Um, you know, I think carbohydrates do make your body um, hold on to a little bit more water, but if you're drinking enough water, then that shouldn't be an issue anyway. Um, the next one would be, and I used to, I thought this for so long and just wasted so much time, is that if you're trying, like you hear the word a lot, like toned or or ripped or mm. More toned or defined oh, muscle, right? Yeah, I do. The only thing a muscle can do is either increase or decrease in size. So a lot of people go into the gym, do these high reps with light weight, thinking that it's like toning can their muscle because you get this burn, but it, it's doing fuck all. Like yeah, right. to, to achieve, I guess, that toned or defined look, you'd need to increase the muscle size and have low enough body fat to see the shape. So you could do as many... You know, like you can go in and do all these bicep curls thinking that you're toning your biceps, but if they're small, they're still small, even when you lose the fat. And then I think the other one, which is is um, super common, is the fact that you just can't burn, you can't spot reduce fat. So if I want to, you know, if I feel like at the moment my abs look shit, if I just go in and do a thousand sit-ups a day, it's not going to make my abs look any better if I've still got high body fat percentage. So yeah, right. to lose fat in any area of your body, it just requires you to be in a deficit for an extended period of time until your body fat's low enough to to reveal that spot. Yeah. And, and we all hold things in different areas. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, for a lot of males, it's it's typically like the lower ab region yep. um, is where we tend to hold a lot of our body fat. For females, it can typically be around the hips, but that may be different for everyone. So if you do have, I guess, that stubborn body fat area, it really is, again, it's not exactly the answer everyone wants to hear, but it's just about giving yourself enough time and consistency and, and it will eventually lean out it's just different for everybody but you know going in and just purely targeting one spot thinking that that's gonna make it look better just doesn't happen love that man no it's really cool i think it's a really good 101 for people that are looking to get into it if you are looking to get into anything please make sure you check out i've um, um i've got one for you actually oh yeah go on what um in your time yes in gyms what's um what's my favorite exercise What's your, yeah, okay, we'll go with that one first. What's your favorite exercise? Oh, I Darcy could nearly tell this story. I tell this story every day. I used to have the I used to have the record at Carlton and the Giants for the best power to weight ratio of all time. Of all time. I'm not even joking. Because like, really? I was like weighing like sixty nine kilos. Yeah. I used to weigh like play like seventy kilos. Yeah. But I could look my best bench was like one hundred and twenty five kegs. Bull one RM. Fucking shit. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, it was crazy. Like 125 I, kegs at at like 70. I would have probably that would have been about 72 kegs. Yeah, oh. weight. And I used to be able to do the most chin ups I've ever done. Yeah, is I could I did got out pumped out 50 chins. Wow. Yeah, like it was crazy. Like I used to just be so light. And did you do much so prior to getting drafted? Were you in the never. gym doing any strength training? No, nothing, nothing at all. Interesting. Yeah, but I um I really enjoyed. I loved the gym. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was so much. I, I never could put on size. Like I, I really rarely put on size, but I just got, um, you know, I was always. Did you find that it made much of a difference to your performance on the field once you started putting time in, into building strength in the gym? Well, this is such a it's such a good question because it's it's all functional, right? Like, I think that I was really good at 
doing chin-ups, but when the when are you chinning up on a on a footy field? You know, like it was I don't think know if it was like correlating yeah. to anything um super important, like the things that I was focusing on, like getting a good bench yeah. press. Like how often am I bench pressing someone off me? And obviously there's the size that I am versus someone else. So I think yeah. that if I was giving advice to anyone looking to get into something, it's really that functional work. Like I would have focused so much more on like my leg and back strength. Like yeah. I've, I've got some real, really, really bad lower back injuries. Yeah. Um, you know, and still to this day, you know, every few months just get like spasms through my, my discs because I, I reckon I was just too focused on like upper body weights and didn't, yeah. didn't give enough Not to enough my like core and, and yeah. hips and Glutes legs and, and, and stuff. Yeah. My career ended because of calf tears. Yeah. Um, so I just didn't give enough injury, didn't give enough time to my lower body. Like yeah. as in, I, I loved doing it, but I just didn't understand it. Or even like, you know, you do a squat, but, yeah. you know, squatting to actually mimic moves that were mimicked on the field, if yeah. that makes sense. When yeah. you when you wrapped up um, in the AFL, like when, when you went into the gym for the first time post-football, yeah. you, did you have enough knowledge to then go in and, and put your own program together and do a good session or were you kind of heavily reliant on what you were kind of given to do in the club? Um, I think I was probably heavily heavily reliant and it's really funny because I left footy being quite pig-headed. Like I'd go to classes and see people doing shit online. I'm like, mate, I played AFL. I know what I'm doing. Like, you know, we had some of the best coaches ever. And then I was like, oh, fuck, maybe people do know more than me. You know, like my mates that were yeah. doing gym knew more than what I did because yeah. I just had – the same, you know, I was just yeah. told what to do. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. doing my own research or anything. But um, a big one for me has always just been like, and I still do it to this day, is uh, the biggest thing I learned was just like the super setting. So like I'll do like chest with a back, yep. you know, by with a try, yep. chin with a shoulder, like that sort of thing. Like I don't know why, but it just sort of, I like that style of working out. What, um, I don't, don't want to hijack your interview here, mate, but what would mate, you- please do. What, um, what, like- Obviously, you kind of mentioned before yeah. that you've been struggling to get back in a routine, but like what would be, you reckon, your um, advice for like someone who who has, let's say there's a, like a former AFL player yep. or a former professional athlete, regardless of what sport, that has been in a similar boat where they've kind of just been like regimented in terms of when and where they have mm. to train, like advice for post-career to, to get back into some form of structure or what have you found has helped? Well, I'm probably in that, that space now. Like for me, the best Nick I was in was when I was training for the marathon. Yeah, because I had a goal. Yeah, and I was like, all right, in three months, like I'm fucking running this marathon. I need to be in shape. I need to yep. do it. And then when that finished, I was like, oh, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. So for me, um, I think at the moment the biggest thing is like I eat really well. Like I actually I eat super clean. Like I actually um, I'm sort of pescatarian, so I don't really yep. eat any chicken or beef or anything like pork. Mm -hmm. I eat a lot of um, fish and salmon. Um, the same thing but i yeah a lot of um <laughs> fish a lot of veggies and all that sort of stuff yeah so my diet's always been really good like i eat relatively clean i drink drink a bit like on weekends more mm -hmm. like binge drinking so that's probably where the only sort of fat of me is but i think for me it's about just trying to have a buddy to work with like yeah and that's why now it's good yeah. we've got the boys in the office we're all sort of doing gym awesome. um we're trying to lock in a wednesday where we all go after work awesome and get it done and sort of just set myself challenges like that i think's a big one yeah but um i think it's sort of like in it's really funny i, I said this in the mini the other day like you can set up all these things and you can set up you know like a buddy and that sort of stuff but at the end of the day 
you've actually just got to fucking get it done. If you want to get it done, like you got to do it and you got to yeah. build it into it. If it's important, you'll, you'll get it done. So for me, it is, I feel good. I know, um, not just, you know, I speak about this a lot, but with like, I see a psychologist monthly and we just check in on all these things and what awesome. I'm doing. And whenever like I walk in a little bit agitated or have something, you know, that I'm upset with, she always says to me like, are you running or are you working out? And I'm like, fuck, no, I'm not. So it's like, I know that's yeah, a formula, man. You know, like it's it? yeah. like for me, I know that's the formula. Like, yeah. But it's very hard to when you're in some ruts to like drag yourself out of yeah. bed and it probably comes back to that point earlier around the running for me. It's like I know the first five runs I do, I'm going to fucking hate them. Yeah. But the sixth and seventh, that's yeah. when it starts getting enjoyable. Yeah. Last one and then I'll let you get Mate, back, you, get back you to like it. Um, I'll give you a chance to throw someone on the bus yeah. here. Out of everyone you played with like in the AFL, who was someone who aesthetically looked – like an absolute weapon, but in the gym wasn't that strong. Mm. It's interesting, right? Because I was pumping myself up earlier about like what I was lifting. Yeah. But you know that like the old saying of like farm strong or like, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. you guys that just like get up and they can fucking throw mm-hmm. like 17 hay bales. They're just so strong. They yeah. don't work out. They're not, they can't bench press, but yeah, yeah. they'd throw me out of the way on the footy field. So there's a lot of guys like that that maybe didn't potentially lift heavy around, yeah. weights, but they were actually better than me on the field at being able to use their body. Yeah. So that's what I was talking about. Like the functionality of yeah. things wasn't there, but maybe I'll give you, I'll give you the best athletes I've seen in the gym. Yeah. Cause there's some that come to mind. Um, Liam Jones, um, right. Carlton, yep. Dogs Carlton, going back to the Doggies this year, I'd say probably one of the most powerful guys I've ever seen. Like, you know, I think he like squatted. And and when you think about these, these numbers for people listening that go to the gym, they might not be a lot, but think about someone else running 14 that can run yeah. as well, yep. get tackled under endurance and yeah. still be able to lift these yeah, weights. Yeah. So like he would squat like 200 plus kilos um, on like reps, be able to bench like fucking ridiculous amounts, was functionally strong. Levi Casbolt, I reckon I saw him bench like 160 one day. I used to bench like 160 kilos. Um, Callan Ward is like, as you'd imagine, is like one of the strongest units you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, Toby Green's like so strong. And a lot of this is measured um, power like Toby weight. Green would have super strong lower body. He's got super strong, yeah, super strong everything yeah. really. He's, he's a super strong guy. Um but yeah, it was always interesting. I loved the gym. Like I, my favorite yeah. days were testing days. Good banter too. Testing that? days were awesome, man, because you're yeah. you're just you're, one you're competing against yourself, but also it's really cool to see where other people are at. Yeah, especially yeah. with like the power and stuff. I'm trying to think who were like the best power. Yeah, were you there? Um, I mean, this is shit of me. But were you at Carlton when Juddy was playing? Yes. Yeah. So I was there. Um, I had like three years with him. Yeah. Yeah. Man. But man, Juddy, like. He just did his own program, man. Like he like would just do yeah. his own shit. Yeah, he just used to go do his own weights. He rarely, rarely did upper body weights. And like I think he even said it on the podcast. Yeah, right. He's like, why you guys are running around with big biceps? That's extra weight that you could be putting on your ass, you know, like to, yeah. for power. He's yeah. like, what, what are you using? When are you actually using that motion on a football Curling field? A football like, field, yeah. It's not really. So he was very functional. He would just do like probably way more Pilates and yeah. – all that sort of stuff, and then just do like squats, just like yeah. deadlifts and squats, and we, just get his legs really strong. We bumped strong. into him in um, in Perth the other week. He was um, at the hotel. He said he, he, I think the night before they just had the the West. I don't know if it was West Coast reunion, but some form of footy reunion mm. the night before, and he was in the gym at like seven thirty, eight o'clock. Yeah, the next day on the, the training. Yeah, 
No, he's a superstar. Mate, one of the craziest trainers I've ever seen as well is like um, Shane Mumford. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Like he would like – because by the end of his career, he could hardly move, you know, like his knees were so cooked. Mm -hmm. So he'd just jump on the elliptical. Oh, yeah. And just like – hour sessions just yeah, on the yeah. elliptical um which for anyone out there is like you know nearly the the mum machine like you know you know you like yeah. running like on air sort of thing it's pretty cool <laughs> yeah. but they're really tough like yeah. they're tough yeah. sessions is that wrong to say or is that <laughs> yeah it's fair call okay that's fair call edit that out um <laughs> uh yeah so he um did a lot of that but yeah there's been some incredible trainers like it's that's why it's so it's so situational on what you're good at and what you need to improve on. Like yeah. some guys, like we spoke about before, one guy that um, missed me the most was Lockie Whitfield. Like you go in the gym, didn't wasn't really like a, as technically strong as yeah. in lifting weights, but then would go out and run 18Ks in a game, put yeah. his head over the pill, go back with the flight, throw someone off the footy. So I was like, it, yeah, I was it's, like, uh, it's just fucking hard. It's just yeah. it's interesting to... To, to do but I think the biggest thing that I would say about the best people like the, the best players I've played with their body they're like single you know like that single leg like squatting with like balance and no weight just like stuff, yeah, yeah that's what yeah. what's that called like the what like bo- pretty much no weight on you you're just doing like body weight exercises yeah. like single legs yep. yeah, yeah. pistol, pistol squats, pistol and, squats stuff, and, yeah. and stuff like that yeah they were always like just so good at that yeah. shit unreal mm. so yeah anyway um Mate, hey, just to finish up your pod, um, tell us maybe your top three guests and top three lessons from the pod that you've really enjoyed. Well, should we include? Well, we can't include yours. No, no, no. We won't include yours no, in no, there. No, but no, um, top three guests, mate. Um, it's a good question. Uh, I've had. Mate, there's. I'm sure you would be the same. There's just been so bloody many that um, are all been incredible like i guess in their own yeah. in their own way I, I suppose um but i had dill alcott on again recently he he came on for maybe a second or third time and that was that was a super interesting chat you know yeah. sometimes you have people on and, and you have an idea of where it's going to go and it kind of yeah. just heads in a different direction um so obviously and that would have been really cool chatting to him post, post you know career, retirement yeah. and yeah and it was awesome and like he opened up a bit about how you know his own kind of like insecurities um even when he was at the top of his game as, mm. a, as, a, as an athlete and and you know his whole mindset around still being able to pursue i guess his mission and his why like post post career and, yeah. and what he's doing now that was a really good one yeah um mate who are the others i had uh have you ever read the secret i have so i had uh dr john Martini on Oh, and he was um, he was incredible. I think just purely because manifestation, I'd, yeah, and that was that was epic. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that one. Wow, um, that's cool. For anyone out there who, do, who likes their manifestation or hasn't heard of that, it's a longer conversation than now. But definitely, yeah, I'm I'm massive into the the manifesting. Yeah, he he was an awesome one, man. And I have to listen to that. Oh, man, it's so, so bloody hard. I mean, they're all so different. I don't want to say them because they're big names, but there there were some really good ones. I mean, there's been a few who were people who had no profile whatsoever, yeah. really. They're and I just thought the their story would be awesome. Yeah. And they were some of the better better ones I've ever had yeah. had on. Um who else? I mean, Bogut was a good one to have yeah. a chat with. Um, I mean, just some of his stories were super cool. But I think it's like some of the biggest lessons to come from from all the episodes was 
um, I guess like success leaves clues. So like there's there's a lot of similarities between like people's mindsets around regardless of what industry I feel they're coming from. Sometimes I feel like I'm talking to the same person every week. Yeah. Because it's just like the same fucking thing. It's yeah. like, it's like, wow, like this yeah. is crazy. Like different industry, but like different challenge, but same, same story. Yeah. And I mean, also like this is pretty common these days as well. It gets talked about a lot more, but you just never know like what, like what's going on in someone's life. Yeah. Like I think like a lot of people's vulnerabilities or even insecurities and things that they've gone through that you may not know about. I, I think this goes for absolutely everyone. I, I just think everybody has a story. Mate, everyone could have their own, everyone could have a podcast and it'd be unbelievable. 100% man. Um, and other lesson, I don't know, man. It's just, I think. What about this question then maybe? Yeah. And this might, it's a, it's a hard one to answer, but, and I've, I've given some thought about it. So it'd be easier for me, but what's stuff? a common theme that you find with every guest. If you look back now and you go, fuck, and I, you know, you sort of answered it a little bit before about, um, about common that. theme, I think, is that each and every single person that has, has done well in their field or has had some, any form of success, it's been off the back of some serious disappointment yeah. or serious setback. Um, and it's just, as you said before, it's about how they've dealt with it. And, and I think, whether that has been like the main driving factor as to what has led to their success or whether they've just been able to take lessons away from it and, and use that mm. um, in some way or another. But no one that I've had on the show has had a linear progression in terms of from start to finish, like their, their success has just gone from here to here. There's always been yeah. multiple and oftentimes like the ones that, have, that I've had on who have had the most success have had more failures or, or more kind of setbacks or bumps in the road than than what the average person would or, or from the outside yeah. in that you would expect when you look at their, I guess, their final product or where they're at now. Love it, man. I think people are going to be out of there today fucking just going and failing. I'm going to – gonna. that's what I've been doing today with this interview, just like making it as shit as possible. It's just to show that you can still keep going even if you can't put a sentence together. So it's really cool. We had um, Andrew Russell on before we wrap up who is a um, – head of high performance uh he was at hawthorne yep. won all the flags there he's done tremendous stuff in the afl world he's at carlton now and um i asked him that question i was like oh you know out of all the best athletes that you've worked with like what's a common thing and we then got talking about grit he goes yep. the best athletes aren't always um you know they don't always perform and always do this but he said they always fucking rock up like no matter yeah. what no matter how they're feeling no matter what happens, like they just and you rock can't up. beat that. And then they just they just get they yeah. just keep coming. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, that's such a cool thing. I was like, you know, if if someone could say, that, you know, weird thought, but if someone was at like my funeral and like, they said, what was this guy like? You know, it's a pretty weird thing to say. But if someone would talk about you doing your own, you know, reading, yeah, imagine they could just say, you know, no matter what he just showed up, man, he just got it done. Yeah. Um, You'd be, you know, I'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah, it's a good quality to have, and I think the best part about it is that it's in your control. Mm. Where's that brick wall? We fucking run through it. <laughs> let's do it, mate. It's been an honour. It's been a pleasure. First of many for us, I reckon. Yeah, mate. Appreciate let's you having me on. Let's make this really a thing. It. Yeah, let's make this a thing. Darcy's been over there already doing some bicep curls under the table, and I'm looking forward to seeing where we can get big, through his big, program too, big mate. Horse, this guy, he's, he's got yeah, some potential of really uh, stretching those. Stretching those pants, if you like. Um, thanks again, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dill. Love it. Thanks for listening to another Producey podcast. If you enjoyed the show, that'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, subscribe, tap the bell, leave a review, or even share with one of your friends, or you could do them all. If you want to get in touch to share feedback, suggest a guest, or advertise with one of our podcasts, then email hello at producey.com. 
Thanks for tuning in, Ilyxx.